Hi, everyone. My name is Chris, the editor of Mahoning Matters here in the Youngstown area. Um, we want to do an interview with U.S. Rep. Bill Johnson. Obviously, he's been in the uh, news a lot lately with his work in Washington, as well as he's the incoming president of Youngstown State. Want to catch him for some questions about his transition and what's upcoming for him. Uh, Congressman Johnson, thanks so much for coming on. I uh, hope you're having a great Christmas season. So far, so good, Chris. Thank you very much. Yes, definitely. Um, want to ask you, this has got to be a, a different time for you. Um, I know any time I've been at a job for a long time and when I say, hey, it's time for something else, you reflect a lot. And obviously, you know, you're in the holiday season. What's it been like to look back at your time in Congress as you get ready for a new challenge? Well, I, I will tell you the same thing that I told uh, the folks at YSU when when this conversation first began, Chris. I, I wasn't looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as as it has happened in every phase of my life, uh, the, the, the blessings and the opportunities that came my way at different phases of my life. I wish I could tell you I could take credit for them, but I can't. Uh, they... They were windows of opportunity. I, you know, I've been uh, I've been a strong believer uh, that there's somebody bigger than me that's in charge of my destiny. And 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 as those windows of opportunity came up, I, um, you know, I had to make a decision whether to walk through them or not. And this is this is another one of those. I I had never had a specific job for more than five years, I think, prior to coming to Congress. I was at Stone Ridge for five years. Uh, other than that, and being in business for myself, where every day is different because you got different clients and 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 different activities going on in your business. For my 27 years in the United States Air Force, I changed jobs every two years. Yeah. And so being in Congress for 13 years is the longest that I have done the same job day in and day out, uh, even though every day was different representing the people of Eastern and Southeastern Ohio uh, has been such a humbling um, and, and uh, unbelievable experience. So I, I didn't see this coming. I didn't go looking for it. So I, I really, I really haven't had that reflecting back moment yet, you know, looking back over the 13 years because I've been so busy uh, you know, making the transition. I've never, I've never left Congress before. So it's yeah. not like, it's not like I know how to do that, but there are things that you have to do uh, in order to do that the right way. And so right. it it has been, uh, it, it's been an experience to say the least. You know, look, looking at where Washington is now with politics What's your view in general, not just from a Republican or Democrat standpoint? What do you think is happening in politics in Washington now, just in general? You know, just like just like the United States military is a microcosm of American society to a lesser degree, because there's only 435 of us uh, in the U.S. House and then 100 in the Senate. Uh, You know, in the Air Force, you had hundreds of thousands of people that came from all walks of life. Uh, and it, it's very, very similar in, in Washington, D.C. You've got you've got people that come from all walks of life. You've got doctors, you've got lawyers, you've got businessmen and women, you've got um, 
uh, former uh, politicians that grew up in their state legislatures. And, and, and you've got people that, uh, uh, you know, uh, have uh, extensive education backgrounds and people that uh, some of whom don't even have a bachelor's degree. You know, I mean, you've got people from all walks of life, every, every race, every gender, every, every uh, religion, you've got some of everybody. And so I, I, I think my observation right now, number one, that's a good thing because mm. the diversity of our country with a lot of voices around the big table to make decisions that gets us to better decisions. And it helps us to, you know, to maintain our edge and in innovation and ingenuity. Uh, it's something that the United States is, is well known for. I mean, we've brought every modern convenience known to mankind to the rest of the world. So yeah. you've got a cauldron there. However, uh, today, and, uh, you know, you, you may agree or disagree, but with the 24 hour a day news cycle and the social media networks, the world is moving at a very, very fast pace. Uh, if Bill Johnson says something on Chris Pugh's, uh, channel today, once you post it, everybody in the world is going to know about it within the first few minutes, those right. that are looking right. 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 Yeah. And so, so you can't, you can't sit back and wait uh, for for things to happen because things are happening at a very, very fast digital pace. I don't believe our founders anticipated that. Uh, and, and, and everybody's got an opinion, Chris, about the rightness and the wrongness of, of what decisions are being made. And, uh, and, and everybody, rightfully so, I mean, it, because we are a you know, we refer to ourselves as a democratic form of government, but we are we are really a representative republic. It is a democratic form of government, but we are a representative republic. That means when I go to Washington, my votes have to reflect three things. First, my values. I've never compromised those. I've never compromised my principles and I've never compromised the opinion of the majority of the people that I represent. And if you go back and look at the uh, at the electoral results of the elections that I've been through, uh, the seven elections, you'll see a systematic increase in the number of people, uh, uh, you know, in Eastern and Southeastern Ohio that by and large, by and large agree with, uh, with what I, uh, with the way that I vote, because I have to get out there and talk to them and understand what their needs and concerns are. Not every member of Congress does that. And that's the sad thing for me. They, they get bombarded with, uh, with the news media and, uh, you know, people having opinions about what they're doing, this, that, or the other. And they lose track of what the people that they actually serve are thinking. So, you know, my, uh, my team and I made it a, uh, made it a part of our process. To, to be accessible, to stay engaged, uh, to have a lot of diversity around the table when we made decisions. When big votes come up, you know, we knew who the, uh, the core constituent groups were that might have an interest in that particular issue, getting their opinions on things and, uh, and really voting the heart of my district. That's, what, that's how it is supposed to work. But too many people just become 
victims of that 24 hour a day news cycle and the social media networks. And, and you know that because you're, you know, you're, you're doing a, you're doing an interview over a, a technology that, you know, 10, 15 years ago didn't even exist. And, and, and so, um, uh, we're divided, we're divided politically, we're divided ideologically, we're divided, uh, uh, spiritually, economically, socially, culturally, there's a, there's a lot of divisions going on. And when that plays out for 350 million people, roughly what we have in our country and everybody has an opinion Boy, you get pulled this way and that an awful lot. And it makes it very, very difficult to uh, to get things done. Bottom line, I, I think the 24-hour-day news cycle and the social media networks tend to, to- uh, tend to pour gasoline on open fires. You know, they, they, uh, it's, it's as if the American people like to see the fight, but they don't right. really like to see the solutions because – Oftentimes, the solutions to our big problems are not very glamorous, but everybody yeah. likes to sit in front of the TV and watch the fight. Oh, definitely. And I wanted to ask you about that because everything I've heard you say and everything I know about you, it sounds like you had two good decisions. But at the same time, and I'm a student of history, I know, you know we've had some back and forth politically in years past, but you know, as you just said, the back and forth is right now. Did that have any role? in saying, wow, maybe this is a good time for me to go to another good opportunity, just with some of the strife that we're seeing right now on both sides of Congress? No, it it, it really did not, Chris. I, okay. I, 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 I've told several people this, and I don't, I don't mean to be uh, funny or dramatic, but I don't have a quit bone. <laughs> I, yeah. God did not give me a quit bone. So I don't walk away from a fight. I don't walk away from a tough situation. Every right. job that I had in the military and and the decisions that I had to make when I was in business for myself and even as uh, as the chief information officer of a global manufacturing company, uh, you know, I had to uh, uh, I had to stand up and make and, and make decisions, uh, uh, you know, and 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 stick to those. I am. Um, and usually random. Somebody's not muted there. Yeah, I muted the other person. Sorry about that. That's okay, um, and and so uh, no uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, the division the anxiety that exists in Washington right now uh, believe it or not it's not exactly the way that it's portrayed on the media. Uh, okay. There is a lot of around the table. For example, I'm a member of a group called the Problem Solvers. Uh, The Problem Solvers are a group of Republicans and Democrats. There's about an even number of us, and I want to say it's around uh, 25 to 30. The membership varies, but there has to be uh, the same number on each side for balance. And uh, and we leave our politics and ideology at the door and come into the room, and we, we work on the issues that we can find common ground on. Now, we take on all of the big issues, but we don't fight with each other. If we find out we do not have common ground, we move on to an issue where we do. And I will tell you, Chris, that I believe that that plays a big role. I've had I've had somewhere between 25 and 30. uh, I don't know what the count is today because it's increased over the last few years. I've had 25 to 30 pieces of legislation that I have authored. 
that have become law signed by presidents of both parties. And they've all been bipartisan, uh, you know, both Republican and Democrat support. And I think my willingness to work with those that uh, the media would tell you that we disagree with, I think that that plays a major role in that. So, no, I, it had nothing to do with the with the divisions and anxiety in Washington to take well, this opportunity. Well, as an editor, I would encourage your group to speak out more about that, because I'll be honest, like many Americans, we hear what's on Fox, we hear what's on MSNBC, and sometimes the politicians you see there often are the loudest voices. You know, the loudest voices get the airtime on there. But it would be good for groups like yours to make yourself more aware so people know. Because Well, we do, I, we, we do try, Chris, and I, I'll yeah. be honest with you, but, but like you just said, you just made the point. Uh, Fox News doesn't want the world to know that Republicans and Democrats are working with each other because they're, they're too busy trying to get Republicans to fight with each other. Right. Okay. And some of the other major networks are trying to get Democrats and Republicans to fight with each other. You've got some networks that want Democrats to fight with Democrats. They want to create right. those divisions within the parties. So the, the, the national media that they're not going to tell you the good stories about how Congress does work effectively uh, to try and get things, uh, the right things done for the American people. They're not going to tell you that. I, I get your point, but I think a lot of editors, like my my ears perk up. And I know a guy who's on the call, his ears perked up too when he heard that. So keep trying to get that message. I know it's frustrating because you don't sense oh, that yeah. from journalists, but I think it's a message that's <clears throat> wise to you know, keep getting out there. I, I agree. I agree. And we do, but, but okay. it's an uphill battle. All right. One more question about Congress. Obviously we, we need to talk about YSU. Um, it's become an issue. Um, I was at the last trustees meeting and we learned there that Helen Lafferty is going to leave her role on December 31st. I know from talking to some of the trustees, they were really excited about saying, Hey, let's get this started. I know as a Congressman, I've left jobs before. It takes a while. And if leaving my job takes a while, I know as a Congress guy, you can't just say, hey, I'm out. I'll give you a two-week notice. And I'm out of here. What's the latest? Could you give a little bit more clarification? I know during your press conference, you said, hey, mid-March, I'll be in office by. It sounds like why she's really excited and wants you to start maybe as early as January 1st. Can you give a little bit more idea date-wise about when you think that might happen and when you plan on resigning from Congress? Well, it's it's going to be in it, it's going to be soon. And and, okay. and Chris, you're not going to like this because I can't give you a definite date. Oh, I just I just can't because there's there there are too many things to do, uh, both in the House and getting ready to take over at YSU. They have to have lead time uh, to do certain things to put things in place. I have to have lead time. I mean, there's this archiving process in the house. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know that until, until I got ready to leave until I announced that I would be leaving. I right. never knew that I have to go through everything in my, in my office, both the physical things, you know, the things hanging on the wall. Uh, but, but I'll, I'll, even some of the correspondence things that uh, need to be archived and preserved for uh, for the uh, the future because right. you know every, that's been done since the beginning of Congress. You don't just you don't like you said you don't just turn in a two week notice and and walk out. And it's part of the complication is that here we are over the holidays, 
And uh, I right. know the American people don't like to uh, maybe think about this sometimes. And and I've been in Washington on both Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve when we've had very critical votes to take. But in spite of everything, uh, it's people that work in Washington, right. D.C., and they take vacations, too. So uh, things do slow down in the bureaucracy of the House over the over the holidays. And so it's a little slower in getting those things done. But I'm hopeful here within the next couple of weeks that I'm going to be uh, announcing a specific date that I'll be starting at YSU. Yeah, and that's really helpful. We appreciate it. But then a lot of people kind of question and say, hey, what's coming up in January and everything else? So, um, yeah. and oh, one other thing related to that date, I know it's a strange time in Washington because Republicans have, I've heard that after you leave, it's now down to one seat majority. Has there been any talks in the Republican Party, um, you know, about just, hey, you should hang out for a little while or, man, I wish you would stay our majority. I mean, I heard Marjorie Taylor Greene. I know she's one of those people that says fun things in the media, but she says, hey, hopefully no one else dies. We're going to lose our majority and everything. What's been the talk in the Republican Party? I mean, obviously, you're, you're a free person. You can do what you want to do. But has there been any reaction in the like the National Republican Party to your move and what this means for the majority and everything? You know, I, I've been actually surprised. Um, you know, ideally, uh, you know, when a member of Congress leaves, they, they, they want to wait until the end of their term. Uh, uh, it is not unusual, though, for uh, it's not common, but it's not unusual for members of Congress to leave midterm. Um, right. in, in the Ohio delegation right now, Chris, we have four or five members that are here as the result of special elections. For example, Chantel Brown uh, came in on a special election when Marsha Fudge uh, was chosen by President Biden to be uh, the, uh, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Um, Troy Balderson came yeah. in when Pat Tiberi decided to leave in uh, shortly after the first of the year in his final term. Um, uh, Mike Carey uh, also left uh, or is here because Steve Stivers left to become president of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Um, and you've also got Bob Latta. If you recall, Bob Latta uh, years ago, now long, it's not been recent, but Bob Latta came in as the result of a special election too, because his predecessor left in midterm. So it's not common, but it's not unusual. I'm not going to deny to you that, you know, most most members that uh, that speak to me about this, uh, they, they say it this way. And I can't think of anybody that's had a different message. They say, oh, my God, we really hate to see you leave because, you know, you're one of the guys that will sit down and actually get things done. You're willing to work with people on both sides of the aisle. And that's what it takes to get things done here whether you're, right. you know, the, the extremes on the left or the uh, or the right, they're making it difficult to govern and we need people like you. But, man, we understand this opportunity. I mean, these kinds right. of opportunities to make a difference in the lives of the next generation in a very positive way, uh, they don't come along every day. And sometimes those windows are open for a very brief period of time and you have to decide whether you're going to, to do that or not. You have to do it very, very quickly. And, and that was the case. That was the case here. Jim Trussell retired uh, back last January. 
Oh yeah, it takes uh, a while. Of yeah, course. and and uh, and and uh, uh, Dr. Lafferty, uh, Helen Lafferty, you know, she's been the interim, uh, but she's got a job to go back to. I think, of course, right. you know, I don't, I don't know her specific plans for the future, but I, I think she's going to be, you know, she's got teaching responsibilities back at Villanova, I think, where she's from. Uh, so I, I, uh, it, they needed to be able to move on with this process, and so. Uh, the option was, you know, leave early or or pass it up. Yeah, and thanks for your background with the politics. I think that's a question that wasn't asked in your previous interviews. I appreciate that. Let me get through a couple of these questions about Yangtze State because obviously you covered the Mahoney Valley, so a lot of people are interested in what you're doing politically, but there's a lot of questions that come up about Youngstown State. I, I wanted to ask you about, I really call them about this, and I think to be fair, you haven't served as president of Youngstown State for a day. So I think there's a lot that can be said about, hey, let's see what happens. But I think, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this in the coverage and everything and the people who are speaking out, there's a lot of perception saying, hey, you know, we think he means this when he said this in the past, or man, I don't like his politics, or I don't like there was an open process. And, you know, you've heard that there's a lot of things that keep coming up and coming up. I've been in jobs where I've come in kind of behind based on some perceptions about me or the place I work at or everything. How do you get over the perception issues? I know you said in past interviews, hey, come talk to me. I'll tell you how I feel. I'm not the politician, Young Sunset's educational institution. It's not a political organization. And I get all that. And uh, Michael Pearson's talked about, hey, once you get to know him as a person, you'll see he's not a politician and everything. I understand all that. But it seems like with everything that's happened over the past couple of months, there's a huge anti-perception that's there. And no matter what you say, no matter what you do, sometimes it's hard to get that perception down. How do you practically do you address that once you become president of Youngstown State? Yeah, you know, per- perception uh, perception is a strange concept. Uh, and perception becomes reality. You know, in today's right. world, yeah. in in today's world of of digital technology, where everybody's got an opinion. Uh, you know, if we say something over social media, uh, you know, uh, and you say it enough, people are going to begin to believe it's true. Uh, especially if you if you don't have uh, you know uh, uh, the ability to go out there and and refute that, but but here's the here's the bottom line, Chris. I've never had a job where I came into the job knowing all the technical details about the job on day one. You know, four, right. uh, fourteen different assignments in the United States Air Force, changing jobs every two years. Uh, with a limited amount of time to make a positive impact on the organization that I would be brought into to lead. Um, and, and you have to spin up fast. Uh, and, and just like in the military, mili- the, the job of the, of, of the United States military is national security. Uh, the mission of the Air Force is to fly, fight, and win. But we lived and we worked every day by a code of values that said integrity first. That means you do what you say you're going to do. You're honest. You're trustworthy. Service before self. It means that the organization and the people that you lead and the people that you serve are more important than your own agenda, whatever that agenda may be. 
and excellence in all that we do. It means you you plan and you prepare and you anticipate and you do it right the first time. We're in the people business. I was in the people business in the Air Force. I was in the people business when I was a small business owner. I was in the people business when I uh, was the chief information officer in uh, uh, prior to coming to Congress. And I've been in the people business since I became uh, became a congressman. And oh, by the way, there's no rule book on how to become a congressman. <laughs> I, I was shocked by that, by the way. You get elected the day that you're sworn in, you're given right. a voting card and voting starts right away. And you better know what you're doing uh, or, or have the ability to spin up pretty fast or you can really make some big mistakes. And so I've never had a job where I had the requisite experience and I, we don't have time on this interview, but I could, right. I could give you countless examples of that. Some of them really significant where I had to learn really, really fast in order to make sure that the mission did not uh, go off the tracks. And so I, I believe that uh, I, I think if people will simply give me a chance and they'll, they'll give me that opportunity and I'm going to be sitting down one-on-one uh, -on -one, small groups, you know, there's nobody that I'm unwilling to sit down and talk to and hear their concerns. You, you mentioned, you know, uh, 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 politics and, and ideology, you know, every, and you may have heard this at the press conference, every yeah. president of Youngstown state before me had their own political and ideological biases. You know, the right. difference between them and me is that I'm an elected official. I'm coming from an industry where I have to vote my values and my principles and my the votes that I've taken over the last 13 years have reflected my values and principles and they've reflected the majority opinion of the people that I represent in this 800,000 person district. That's the job. It's mandated in the Constitution. That's the way our government works. And I chose to go into that industry. Should that preclude me from ever leading in another institution because I've had to do that? I don't think so. And so I, I think if people would simply give me a chance, they'll see. I didn't bring my politics and ideology to my workplace in the military. There is no more diverse population in the world than America's military. People come from all walks of life and you don't get to choose who's on your team. They're given to you. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's like becoming the head coach of an NFL team and you got the players that are there and, uh, and, uh, in mid season, you're not going to be able to change those out and you got to make the best with what you've got. And it's, it's a very similar process. I've always had a very diverse uh, set of seats around my decision-making table. And there have been a lot of them. You know, I, I believe the, the, that, that, uh, that old uh, 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 axiom from the scriptures, you know, there is wisdom in the counsel of many. Uh, you know, I surround myself with people that are smarter than I am in a particular subject matter, or, and, and I learn from them. I think okay. that's the way great leaders like John F. Kennedy, like Abraham Lincoln, like Ronald Reagan. I think that's the way they led. That's that's the way that I plan to lead at, 
Youngstown State. Do you think on some of the hot button issues, and again, I know as Republicans, sometimes people throw comments by maybe the former president or something and say, well, if that's Republican Party, everybody who's Republican definitely believes exactly how we believe. I get that your feelings might be a little bit different on that, but I guess what I'm saying is for Youngstown State, they relied on immigrant students to help make up for a student you know, disparity there. Um, I also want to throw in with the money. You know, there's some people who may not agree with your politics say, oh, I'm not going to donate anymore. How do you address with the immigration issue, knowing that you may not feel that way, but your name and your party is attached to that? How, how do you make sure immigrants aren't scared away? And how do you, do you appeal to a new different type of financial donors to make up for some monies that might be lost for people who didn't agree with Youngstown State's decision to hire you? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it goes back to what you said a little bit earlier, you know, the, the, and we talked about it, um, uh, the, the mischaracterization. Uh, I, I don't know where it came out that I am anti-immigration. That is absolutely not true. I never have been. I mean, everybody in this country, unless you're a Native American, uh, unless you were, uh, unless your ancestors uh, were on this continent prior to uh, 1492, when when Columbus discovered it, um, uh, everybody came here through an immigration process. And let me give you, let me tell you something else. And you may have heard this at the press conference too. Um, you know, uh, America's got a problem right now with with the birth rate to sustain our own culture uh our population is in decline uh we've got we've got ten thousand baby boomers that are retiring every single day going on the retirement rolls and you know that's seventy thousand this week uh uh, 3.5 million this year over the next 20 years we're going to put 50 some million americans on the uh, retirement rolls and we don't have a birth rate in this country to replace that aging, retiring workforce. And, and when you look at enrollment in higher education, the pool of uh, both public and private school graduates, seniors coming out of high school that are choosing to go to college, that is a shrinking pool because of that population decline partially but also because a greater number since two, since 2018 uh, homeschooling has increased by 50%. So you got a lot of Americans that are choosing not to even put their kids in public or private schools and they're educating them at home. And so the, we've got to cast a bigger net. The one, the two areas, the two areas of student enrollment that's growing at Youngstown state is in the international students and graduate students. I'm going to do everything I can to encourage international students to want to come uh, to Youngstown State University. Not only that, but Chris, I want them to stay after we educate them. I don't want them to go back and go to their countries and take the knowledge that they've gotten from us. And now they're competing with America on the global uh, economic stage. Keep in mind that the oceans have disappeared with the advent, with the with with the uh, digital economy that we live in. The oceans don't exist anymore. We've got to be able to do business in Indonesia and 
uh, the Middle East and throughout Europe and Asia, we've got to be able to do business there because those are markets. You know, only 5% of, the, of, of our uh, customers are in America. 95% of the markets out there for American businesses are outside of the United States. And so we've got to be able to attract uh, the kinds of workers, whether it's doctors and scientists and mathematicians and, and computer engineers and, and truck drivers and plumbers and pipe fitters and you name it, seasonal workers for our agriculture systems, for our uh, resorts and, and hospitality. We've got to attract international students from all over the globe. And I, I want to make sure that Youngstown State is doing its part to do that, to make sure that our region has a workforce to meet the workforce demands uh, for years to come. So I don't know where this idea that Bill Johnson is anti-immigration came from. I, I just I don't have a clue. Maybe it's because I'm demanding that we have secure borders. I don't believe I do not believe that allowing people just to come across our border in an uncontrolled fashion, not knowing who they are, where they're going, what they're going to do, why they're coming here, what their backgrounds are, that I don't agree with that. I think we need an immigration system that benefits the American citizen so that we can choose who we want to be here and what kind of skill sets we want to be here. I, I think part of it, and you know, you can blame some national media for this, but I think it's more of a messaging thing. I think, you know, with you know former President Trump, there's this idea that if you're not supporting the guy, then you're on the fringes. And if you don't come out and say, Oh, I don't agree with this, then you're lumped in the guy. Yeah, I, I, I think quickly that's kind of my response. And I think it's probably, it's unfair to you guys. And it's a fair dress too, but that's kind of where that goes. Um, Congressman, I value your time. I want to have two more questions for you. Then we'll let you go. Okay. Um, guy here has been really patient. I appreciate his <laughs> uh, patience here. I want to make sure he's asked something. And I wanted to clarify something that you said on another interview that I'm hearing some of your opponents question, but first of all, guy, look, I want to make sure you get a chance to ask something of the Congressman. Well, Congressman, it's a, pleasure to be on the same screen with you and hope you're having a happy holiday. I want to switch gears a little bit. What has this uh, switch in jobs meant to your family? And maybe have they had some kind of reservations or some anxieties uh, to, to uh, you know, go along with the, the decision for you to make this big job switch? Well, when I uh, th this is funny. You know, my my son is a swimmer. He's in his sophomore year. He's a swimmer at Youngstown State. And I've got a nephew who is on the baseball team. He's uh, he's a catcher on the baseball team there. They recruited him long before uh, uh, this job ever came up. They rec recruited him from uh, from Houston, Texas. Um, but so when I when I tease this out to my son, his initial response was, wait a minute, dad, I'm not. I'm not going to a school where the president is my dad and, <laughs> and, and you're watching over my shoulder. If you become president of YSU, I'm going on the portal and I'm going as far south <laughs> as I can go. Now, uh, in, in, in fairness to him, he's a, he's, a, he's a great kid. I'm so proud of him. 
somewhere between the teasing uh, and and today, uh, his fellow swim teammates uh, began to whisper in his ear, "Hey, what your mom and dad do? Uh, you know that that's pretty cool. Even if they agreed disagreed with my politics, your your mom and dad are pretty cool for what they do." And so my son's opinion kind of changed. And so now, once I got the job or was the selection, um, his next question was, I I only want one thing. Can I park my car in the presidential residence (laughs) so I don't have to dig it out of the snow? So uh, outside of that, all of my my older children are grown. Uh, My son works in, uh, uh, he's a businessman, works in business in Colorado uh, in the construction industry. Um, uh, all of them are college graduates. I got two daughters that run medical practices in uh, San Antonio, Texas. And, uh, and I've got uh, five living. I had six total grandchildren. Five of them are living and, uh, and they're all very successful and doing very well. And they're just so, so very proud and, uh, you know, uh, not only accepting, but encouraging because they know, they know what they're, their granddad and their dad's heart is that my desire is to help people uh, uh, believe that they can be something bigger than they are to believe in something uh, to be a part of something bigger than they have ever been. And that they have the opportunity to pursue the dreams and ambitions of the American dream on their own terms. They know that about their granddad and their dad and so they're they're very excited about this. Well, I want to wish you the best of luck in your endeavor and have a happy and prosperous new year, Congressman. Okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks a and, lot. And Congressman, one quick question. I just want to give you an opportunity to, um, you talked a little bit about indoctrination during your press conference. There was a clip, and it's been tweeted to me a hundred times in the past couple of days about something you said on another uh, TV station in the area. I just want to give a quick chance to explain. Do you, is there any concerns about why it's you with indoctrination? I know that's been a concern with you in the past. Is it a why it's you issue or is it something you just want to make sure colleges don't do in the future? No, I, I, I think, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have any specific, uh, access to grind at, at Youngstown State. I, I don't know of a professor uh, that is doing that. I was asked a very general question about enrollment. You know, what's okay. driving enrollment down? And I can tell you from a lawmaker perspective, uh, I've, I've heard the concerns about higher education. I mean, look at what happened just in the past few weeks at Harvard and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and, and, and those kinds of things. And so, I, and, and it's basically just a, a, a simple matter of, of fairness, right? I mean, the first question that I was asked at that, um, at that press conference was, hey, uh, Congressman, how are you going to lead and leave your politics and ideology out of your leadership role at the university? And it's really, really simple, Chris. If the president of the university is is expected to not bring their politics and ideology into their job, why is it not uh, uh, expected that faculty and staff would do the same thing? 
Mm. Our job is to produce the next generation of workforce. It is not to push our politics and ideology on, on other people and then hold them accountable, right? Hold them accountable to think like we're thinking. I, I think, I think what our job is, is to teach our young people how to think, not what to think. And let me answer this. <clears throat> let me answer this in a little bit of a different way. In the century after the Civil War, remember where we were in 1865 at the end of the Civil War. Our economies of both the North and the South were at zero. We had spent all of our money we had killed over 700,000 of our own people because we could not figure out who we were. God, oh, help us. We never want to go back to those dark days. But we started out at zero. But if you look at the century after 1865, from 1865 to 1975, roughly 110 years, um, every modern convenience known to mankind came out of the United States right? The mm. airplane, space mm. travel, the light bulb, um, uh, medical marvels. Uh, and did you know that the first oil well on the North American continent, Chris, it wasn't, it was not drilled in Oklahoma or Texas or Louisiana, like some of my friends down there would like you to believe. It's right here in Ohio. It's just off of exit 25 on Interstate 77. It's called the Thorla McGee Well. And they were drilling for salt and up through the ground came a bubbling crude. You remember those that <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. hillbillies, right? And yeah, they learned, they, they discovered oil, right? And yeah. so we've been, we, we are a nation of innovation. When John F. Kennedy, and this is, you know, I grew up born in the 50s, grew up in the 60s. During the space race to the moon, if you didn't have a TV in your classroom, they would cancel school for the day so you could go home and watch Walter Cronkite give the play-by-play. -play. And when John F. Kennedy said, we're going to go to the moon, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. And we're not going to do this because it's easy. We're doing it because it's hard, because we're going to learn some things that we never thought possible. Did you know arthroscopic medicine, the ability to grow, to go into drill holes and to go in with probes and microscopes and perform invasive surgery on people came out of the space mission because they had to be able to, to do medical procedures in outer space in a zero gravity arrangement. You couldn't, you couldn't open somebody's chest up or stomach up and have their insides floating around the cabin. You couldn't do that. So you had to come up with ways to be able to do that. That's just one example of the many things that had nothing to do with space, but everything to do with the process of getting into outer space. And so I, I believe that when people are taught how to think and critically taught how to think critically, we are the problem solvers of the world. And Youngstown State is right on the leading edge of that with uh, uh, additive manufacturing, 3D printing, the work that they're, they're doing with, that we are doing with NASA to prepare uh, the, the, the launching space out in, on the moon for launching out into Mars, what we're doing with the CDC 
to hopefully, God forbid, prevent another COVID-type situation ever emerging uh, again. We are on the leading edge of some of those things. That's what I'm talking about. Let's be the premier education institution in Northeast Ohio. It's got a legacy of that. We need to continue to do that because we need to provide a workforce for this region and beyond our nation and the world, because we got some smart people at Youngstown State. Yeah, and thanks for the clarification, because a lot of people are questioning it. We appreciate that. Uh, so to close, again, um, we wanted to present this uncut. Um, so no matter how you feel about Congressman Johnson's appointment, uh, you understand his vision, his background, and what he says about some of the opposition. Um, I've heard from several people, Congressman, that if somebody out there has a question or a concern or want to talk to you, they can address you for your current congressman page, right? So even if it's a, hey, I live in Youngstown, I got a question about this, they can reach out to you and you'll sure. try to reach back to them when convenient? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Until I leave Congress, they can still email me through my website at billjohnson.house.gov. Uh, they can get a hold of me that way. Um, uh, and I will have, look, my, my staff used to get crazy when I would do it, but uh, I give out my cell phone number freely. Oh, wow. uh, okay. Uh, you know, when I, when I meet people, uh, and, and, I will be very accessible and very visible. You can't be in the people business and sit locked up in an office behind a, in a, in a, behind a desk and expect to be successful. So you're going to, you're going to see me out and about a lot and, uh, and you'll, you and everybody else will have access to me. And, Public, take advantage of it. Because like I said, this interview, we just want to give you the opportunity to hear his vision. And again, here's how you can contact him. If any questions, what you hear, heard here or something you didn't hear heard here that you wanted to ask him about. Well, thank you, everyone, for your guys' time. Stick around for a second afterwards and need to ask a question. Uh, but I appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day, everybody.